welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. I'm joined by Drew Guyette, Chief Credit Officer and Senior Partner at Twinbrook Capital Partners, a direct lending finance company focused on providing cash flow-based financing solutions for the middle market private equity community. Twinbrook is also the sponsor of today's episode. Drew joins me to talk about the importance of information and infrastructure, including how a high-touch approach to underwriting and portfolio management supports a lender's ability to serve sponsors and borrowers. We'll also talk about how team infrastructure and human capital factor into that. Drew, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Katie. So I thought it would make sense to set the stage by first talking about the makeup of the middle market and how it's typically segmented. So Drew, can you talk about how you define those segments and some of their key characteristics? I think when you look at the middle market cash flow lending arena, it's really easy to divide it into lower, core, upper, broadly syndicated. But from there, you can start in a couple different segmentations. You could think about it by the size of EBITDA, lower middle market being defined as less than 25 million of EBITDA, let's say roughly. Core and upper being 25 million to 50 million plus, and then you certainly have the broadly syndicated market being 75 million of EBITDA plus. But inside of there, you still have other considerations, structurally how these loans are either originated, underwritten, and also through a portfolio management, how many covenants they have, what are the leverage attachment points associated with the debt. When you think about the covenant cushions in the situations, you do have covenants. The lower middle market, you will still see covenants, financial performance covenants inside of your documents. And the core, to a lesser extent, you'll see more of the covenant light structure, single covenant, covenant wide. Upper market, broadly syndicated market, covenants are less relevant up there. When you think about the role of the equity owner, when you think about the role of the senior lender or the lending sources for those structures. As you move towards the lower middle market, relationship, execution, dynamics of how many lenders are in that bank group become much more prominent. As you move higher up, core, upper, and broadly syndicated, the role of the lender becomes a little bit more transactional in nature. The role of the lender is defined more on an indexing or kind of a market approach to it. So certainly how you participate as you move up market changes from a lender's perspective. Andrew, I want to ask you about communication and and information flow. You touched on that a little bit just now. Can you say more about that and and how that factors into these relationships that you have with sponsors and borrowers? So if I just compare the two opposite ends, the broadly syndicated and the, the lower middle market, in the broadly syndicated market, we would say that the market has a tendency to operate in a pass-fail scenario, right? So if the borrower is worthy of credit underwriting, of loan issuance, and the broadly syndicated market, there'll be more of a reliance on indexing concepts, uh, what the market convention is. Certainly credit ratings, credit estimates, those all start to come into more of a relevance of your decision-making as a lender. And so when you think about the lower middle market by comparison, Generally speaking, the lower middle market operates with either market leaders of a small defined segment of an industry, market participants that have a niche presence, a value proposition that is unique 
to their segment or their geography or their customer base. And so the role of the communication on the forefront, on the underwriting side, is more qualitative in nature than quantitative. The points of comparison that you have in the broadly syndicated market can be more at a macro industry level or a super micro level from your ability to compare and contrast what's going on with this borrower and to think about its fundamentals and its ratios. Whereas in the lower middle market, it's a much more deeper dive and it requires more of that communication and interaction and information flow and data to really suss out and understand who your borrower is. So when you think about the role of underwriting and originations, and that's also going to translate into portfolio management, um, it's commonplace to think of experience and your ability to respond to the private equity firm and understand the process and have the infrastructure around that that is absolutely critical and fundamental as a jumping off point. I think when you think about Twinbrook's approach and maybe what makes us different and also is an attribute to the lower middle market, the size and the scale of taking that experience and coupling it with the infrastructure and the human capital we have in place. The ability to receive anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 unique transactions every year, to think about the size of the portfolio in terms of what observations, what data points are going into your decision-making process. And again, remember coupling that with the experience of the senior leaders of the platform. It's a nice harmony, it's a nice balance that you start to generate in terms of your ability to suss out what are the best borrowers, what are the best private equity firms, how to understand what a borrower's relevance is in that lower middle market portion of the industry that they compete in. And again, when you think about that many observations over the course of 10 to 20 years for this senior leadership team, you do start to create this archive. You do start to create this library that you're able to compare and contrast the different attributes. And that's where the qualitative piece comes into play. And again, it's, it's important for both the new originations and the underwriting side of how you think about making good decisions. But then it also comes into play on the portfolio side. Your ability to take one observation that you're experiencing with one borrower or a private equity firm, compare and contrast that. And certainly over the last 18 months, I would tell you Twinbrook has been the beneficiary of all of these many moments of time to interact with our borrowers and our CEOs and CFOs um, on that level to gain that understanding of what's really taking place in the lower middle market. And a major development we've been following in our reporting at the magazine has been the uptick in deal flow and the accelerated timelines that come with that. So, I mean, you spoke about the value of, of data generally, but I'm interested in in how data is factoring into today's environment and, and why it's especially valuable now. Yeah, it's it's a very active market right now for private equity sponsors. It's an active market on the LBO side. Coupling that, you also have a tremendous amount of opportunity on the add-on side. And so there are many moments right now where people do find themselves busy. And I think, Katie, to your point, the timeline can at times become accelerated. And there's a kind of value put towards the execution side of a lender's relationship with a private equity firm. Ability to process the information, ability to ensure the right questions are being asked because timelines are being compressed in the sense you don't have as much of a cushion to allow for later in the deal process, later in the approval cycle to ask more questions. So how that translates and how you can think about it from an information flow. 
if you have a control set to draw from, those experiences, those observations, if you have found yourself in a moment where you have 10 to 20 different borrowers or opportunities that you've evaluated, and thus the next deal inside uh, your shop, the next opportunity that you are underwriting, you come from a place of coupling your experience that you have lending to these types of borrowers, coupling your experience working with a private equity firm, what their value proposition is, what their growth strategy is, understanding at a relationship level, the history to draw from, it does put you in an advantaged uh, position as the senior lender. And certainly we would tell you at Twinbrook, that is part of the thesis of making sure that not only do we have those control sets that are important to say, we've seen this many types of value at distributors, these niche specialty engineering or these specialty niche manufacturing companies on the healthcare side, these businesses operating in this segment of the healthcare market, all of those moments, those observations create a control set that allow us, we think, to, I wouldn't say expedite our underwriting process, but to prioritize what are the most important attributes and characteristics to truly be a partner to the private equity firm. And then conversely, hopefully allow our private equity borrowers and clients to focus in on their equity story, to focus in on the operations, the management team, all of the things that allow them to really accentuate the growth proposition here. And so kind of big picture, if we as a lender can come at it with that experience, and also you have the infrastructure, we've made the investment in the human capital so that you can process a tremendously large amount of new deals, albeit you may not close many of those new opportunities, but you can process them through the system. You can extract the information that you want. You can pay it forward into your underwriting process. That hopefully translates from a private equity client's perspective into a knowledgeable partner and a relationship that is focused on the execution and prioritizing what's most important right now in a condensed time frame. And in addition to the the data we've been talking about, are there other factors that you think differentiate lenders and their ability to serve sponsors and borrowers? You you touched on infrastructure, so maybe starting with that and, and any other factors you'd point to. We definitely observe from the sponsor perspective and the interaction with the lenders, um, the infrastructure in the system by which you can consistently execute is very important to them. So a sense of consistency in what your process is, what your response time is, how you approach diligence, how you approach your interaction with management teams, uh, private equity firms do put a value on, right? As a lender, at some point in time, you are faced with the differentiation question around, are you a commodity lender when everybody is lending the same amount of uh, green dollars, right? So in those moments in time, you can find your differentiation in your approach, your interaction with your management teams, your ability to prove out that you are knowledgeable in the industry that this borrower exists in. And when you think about a competitive landscape, you observed other businesses that operate similar to this borrower that you are currently uh, evaluating. There are probably five different levels of questions from a diligence perspective. If you as a senior lender can establish that rapport immediately with the client, with the management team of the borrower, and get to those third, fourth, and fifth level diligence questions, speaking their language, if you will. I do think that helps to differentiate you in terms of what kind of value can you bring to the relationship. Is there anything that you would add that differentiates a lender, particularly in a a challenging time? 
So if we stay on the theme of information flow, Twinbrook provides revolvers to 100% of the borrowers inside of our platform. And what those revolvers allow us to do, in addition to being good stewards of the liquidity and interacting with the borrowers, but it's also a moment in time for us to gather information on how that capital is being used by the company. So is that to support liquidity? Is that for a change in the working capital? Is that for uh, a modification to either a CapEx program, a customer base, supplier base? So we can take all of those moments in time when we are interacting on the revolvers and gather information as to what's taking place with that borrower, but then step back from that and observe all of the borrowings taking place. Create an index around what is taking um, place inside of the market. And so when you think about a moment where pressure is being felt, certainly over the last 15 months, and we then benefit from having a portfolio of over 175 active borrowers interacting on the revolvers, talking with these CFOs, I think distressed moments in time, that information certainly benefits us because we're able to aggregate up all of these observations and really get ahead of different trend lines, really get ahead of things playing out inside of the market. Um, and if not get ahead of them, but be prepared to understand or to interact with our borrowers that you're not alone, this is taking place. We are seeing this pressure be felt amongst other active portfolio accounts. I think that differentiates certain lenders like Twinbrook because in the absence of providing that revolver, you're then reliant on your monthly financial statements. You're then reliant on your quarterly financial statements, and those are going to be your touch points with the CEOs and the CFOs of your borrowers. So hopefully we do find ourselves in a proactive situation of being on the front lines of getting information early and often to react to, but then also doing it on the scale whereby you're able to draw conclusions because you've seen enough observations or you have a large enough control set to draw conclusions from it. In today's environment and, and looking to the future, Drew, what do you think private equity firms and their portfolio companies are focused on when it comes to, to lender selection? So I think it's always evolving. I think at some level, it starts with the private equity firm wants to ensure that they are partnering with a lender that can grow with them and certainly execute on their growth strategy. And that can come in a number of different ways. That could be changes that they want to make internally to the management team, expansions of internal operations, uh, product lines, geographies. There are a number of different ways that a private equity firm is organically going to try to grow the business. And then organic can turn into capital expenditure expansion or investment in infrastructure around the borrower. And that can require capital coming from the lenders or possibly capital coming from the private equity firm. Again, continuing on the right partner to see through that execution strategy approach. And then the last one is probably going to be the add-on acquisitions, their ability to buy and build a bigger platform for that. That's always been a jumping off point and that will continue in the private equity community to be a reason that you pick a lender, especially in the lower middle market, where, again, there's a proprietary nature to what we do. Um, there is this notion of underwriting will lead execution decision making. I think, though, if you pay it forward and you look at some of the changes coming out of COVID, when you think about the pandemic and what that's taught many of our private equity clients, I think decision making now is also really rooted in the relationship management on the portfolio side. I think it's the ability to have the infrastructure in place, have the consistency of your deal teams to respond as the portfolio 
kind of plays out. And sometimes that can be in good times and it can also be in bad times. When you think about covenant defaults, when you think about issues that were born from the pandemic, liquidity crunches, changes in working capital cycles, having a lender with that resolve or that acumen to understand the situation, to be a good partner, to see through to what the revised forecast is, and then also complement that with that is not to turn a blind eye to the growth strategy of the private equity firm. You're going to have to find some sort of marriage and balance between those two ideas. And that level of experience, I think for many of our clients here at Twinbrook, we hope that we've been able to strengthen the relationship because we've been able to find that balance, that parity between those two concepts. Okay, we'll leave it there for today. Drew, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or Google Play, where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Please email them to editor at acg.org. I'd also encourage you to check out our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more content covering the middle market, private capital investment, and trends in middle market M&A.